This is the London Live Podcast. Listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 on 980 CFPL. Parking in downtown London or just parking in London, period. There have been a number of ways that it could be done, and there will always be a number of ways that it can be done. You can, at the moment, use the meter. You can use a parking lot. But there are a lot of different companies. Some of them are private. Some of them are not. And we've got commissioners who are involved in all of this. But we have a potential change coming. And joining us right now is Ward 2 Councillor Sean Lewis as we look ahead to a meeting tomorrow that may address this. Councillor Lewis, thanks so much for the time. Uh, happy to join you, Mike, anytime. Councillor Lewis, let's talk about what would be put onto a virtual table, because I think you guys are still going by Zoom. So a virtual table with regard to parking. Well, my myself and my vice chair, Councillor Squire, will, will be there physically the rest of the committee, so we'll join us by Zoom. So it's kind of a half virtual, half real table. Uh, but there is a recommendation coming uh, from our civic administration uh, after uh, an RFP, uh, sorry, a request for proposals uh, process uh, that a contract be tendered out to Impark to take over uh, municipal parking enforcement services. Um, the, the, that's raising a, a bunch of red flags for me and, frankly, a bunch of red flags for folks in the community who have actually dealt with uh, Impark before and and are absolutely not impressed with the customer service, which seems to run contrary to what's in the, the staff report to us. Um, but I'm also, I'm going to have some real questions for our civic administration, because when we first contracted uh, out the parking enforcement in 2015, uh, it was a sole source agreement with the commissioners. Um and, and I'm not saying that we necessarily should have to have a sole source uh, on this. Maybe the RFP process is the right way to go. But we've had very good service uh, by utilizing the commissioners uh, for the last five years. And I'm really cognizant of the, the community benefit or the social benefit uh, that we've received from that sole source uh, agreement as well, which is the fact that the commissioners... Uh, have a mandate to find meaningful work for former members of the Canadian Forces. And I think that that really is an, is an important piece of how we're evaluating it, is what we're getting back beyond the dollars and cents. And, and honestly, I'm, and you know that I've been on to talk to you about the uh, East Lions Community Centre before uh, and the problems we've had there. I, I'm quite concerned that we're looking at a, a situation where we're going with the lowest bid uh, rather than potentially uh, the bid that's going to give us the best service for Londoners. When I see a bid of a million dollars and, uh, you know, a reference in here that they'll provide the most staff for that money, well, to me, that says we're actually going to have lower-paying jobs uh, and we're going to give away some good jobs that have a social benefit to us uh, to contract this out. So a lot of concerns around this. So could this, Councillor Lewis, take away the jobs of commissioners or they would still exist? It would just be in park that would oversee all of parking in London in, in, in any paid parking scenario? 
yeah, Impark would assume the parking enforcement services for the city. Uh, so, yes, it would mean that, you know, the commissioners would lose business and therefore, you know, it, it doesn't take a, a math wizard to do one plus one equals two. Uh, fewer jobs for them to do is going to equal less jobs on their staff. So uh, I expect that commissioners would probably downsize and there would be some job losses. Well, thank you for having this front and center as far as attention goes. So tomorrow's meeting is designed to do what? Well, we will uh, receive the staff uh, recommendation, uh, and then we will have to have a debate on whether or not we're going to accept that or whether we're going to send it back to uh, do again. Uh, And, you know, uh, I I don't want to prejudge where uh, members of the committee want to take this, um, and I don't want to prejudge that, you know, the commissioners would necessarily get the contract if we reevaluate. I, there were four bidders on this. Um, but I have concerns that we are going from a sole source uh, agreement to uh, an open competition agreement. And then we're simply going with uh, what seems to me to be the cheapest option, which is not necessarily the best. You know, we all have to keep in mind that uh, you get what you pay for. And uh, sometimes it's better to pay a little more for quality. Love it. Councillor Lewis, thank you so much for taking the time to describe this for us. And we'll follow up and see what happens later this week. My pleasure, Mike. I'm always happy to to chat with you uh, about anything. And, uh, you know, if you want to uh, loop back and, and get an update on what's happened after this, you know where to find me. I will certainly do that, and we'll have that information for sure. Councillor Lewis, have a great rest of the day. You too. Stay safe. You too. That is War 2 Councillor Sean Lewis. But let's get a little bit more information on testing centers. Mike McMahon is the executive director of the Thames Valley Family Health Team and joins us. Mike, thanks so much for being here. How are you? Oh, great. Thanks. Thanks for uh, giving us an opportunity to come back on. Well, there appeared to be a little bit of confusion this morning because there are changes taking place, especially with the two centers that do the main testing in London. What do we need to know about how testing is to be carried out if you wish to get one? So in London, we have the, the two assessment centers that you know we've had for in operation for uh, the duration of the, uh, the pandemic event at Oak Ridge Arena and Carling uh, Optimist Centre, and uh, that, that, that's still the same today. The way you get an appointment at Oak Ridge is you call ahead. Uh, we have a telephone uh, appointment booking system at, o- at Oak Ridge, and at, at Carling is still the method of getting appointment by driving to the facility or you know, making your way there in whatever way uh, you, uh, folks do. You're offered an appointment, which is at a return time later the same day, but not the next day. So it's a, it's a return time for the same day. So other than that, we we had uh, announced those changes on Wednesday last week, and nothing else has changed in terms of the London Middlesex uh, assessment centers, except the testing guidance for school-age children has also changed at the same time. So the the uh, the guidance that came out, and, and schools have advanced this information. We know that families are just still learning about it. Um, so the the uh, the changes in terms of the way you get appointments at our assessment centers was announced on Wednesday. On Thursday, we had the the new guide for uh, how to how to manage symptoms in your school aged children and who should be tested. And then on Friday, we had the province's uh, announcement related to walk in assessment centers, which we were not operating in London since about September the fifteenth was the last time we did uh, the true walk in style um, uh, assessment center 
visits. Okay. So things really haven't changed a lot from the announcement from last week. There may no. have been confusion today. The testing centers were open today or are open today. What's the best way to yep. describe that? Yeah, we're, we were, we were um, um, fully open today. Uh, no change from the plans that we announced last week. We are, and our staff team, I'm sure, would, uh, would, would agree, um, getting a hold of people who have left a message for I booked telephone, you know, they've phoned us, they've left a message to get an appointment, um, completing that, uh, you know, calling those people back and getting that appointment booked has been a challenge, but, um, but that is uh, uh, going ahead as planned today, and Carling is, is uh, continuing to operate as planned today. So no, no uh, um, big change for those seeking testing and assessment in London, uh, today, and we have our pharmacy partners, as we know, on uh, on board doing uh, doing their portion of the testing as well. Mike McMahon joining us, Executive Director of the Thames Valley Family Health Team. Uh, Mike, in terms of who should be getting tested, that's something else that seems to be a pretty consistent description. But at the same time, we do hear things from whether it's Ontario, Premier Doug Ford, or other areas that say, okay, well, here's who should be getting tested right now because of the backlog or because of long lines, things like that. Mm-hmm. How do we describe who should be getting tested at either Carling or Oak Ridge? So at Carling and Oak Ridge, we're testing everybody who comes to visit us who is is symptomatic. So symptomatic people, uh, you know, they're coming to visit to get a test, and that's they're they're part of that asymptomatic or that symptomatic um, group of people. That means they're experiencing some of the symptoms that are on the list of COVID nineteen uh, indicators. And for school children, there's been a little bit more guidance offered so that families can make a decision whether the symptoms their children are experiencing are actually requiring a test. So we would, we would leave the, the folks to uh, take a look at those and come for uh, uh, an assessment if you are in the symptomatic group. In the asymptomatic group, this is where there's a really large volume of, of testing we were doing two weeks ago that's no longer permitted by the province. And that's asymptomatic testing for people that are self-referring or who are coming as a group who have been told to go get a test, but they were told by somebody other than the province. So this, sometimes you experience employers or um, sports associations, uh, just, just other groups who want their individuals, their, their, um, their cohort to be tested, but they're not, only the province can do a mass order for testing that is asymptomatic. And then of course we see those people. An example of that would be people trying to visit their loved ones in long-term care or retirement homes, uh, people who are essential caregivers in retirement homes or, or long-term care homes, essential health care workers, all of those um, people who are asymptomatic we're still seeing because they're in that, they're in that, priority, that, that priority framework. Okay. So as, as we close out, if we are looking for an appointment, what is the best way to go and get that so that we're not causing a, a big voicemail backlog? Is there an easy way for that? Well, the best way to do it is, is if you if you can truly wait a couple of days for your appointment, then then call the number uh, for for the Oak Ridge Assessment Center and uh, book yourself an appointment. Or if you would like to ensure you that you get tested uh, on on the same day as uh, as uh, like if you want to be tested tomorrow, then you would go to Carling Optimus Center in the morning, get your return time, which will be at some time during the same day, and uh, and then come back on the same day for your test. So those are the two ways that we will uh, we'll see you in London at the large volume assessment centers. And um, we also know that our pharmacy partners are seeing people who are from, from those groups of asymptomatic individuals that I mentioned there, the, the visitors in long-term care homes, et cetera.
Great stuff. Mike, thanks so much for clearing all of this up. We really appreciate the time. Hey, listen, it's important for us to keep talking about this. It's uh, We, we uh, recognize that uh, at the front line there that it's it's difficult to understand, but let's, uh, let's keep feeling good about asking questions and getting some clarity on this. That's it. Mike, thanks. Thanks. Bye for now. Mike McMahon, Executive Director of the Thames Valley Family Health Team. So for testing questions, there you go. If you can wait a couple of days, call the Oak Ridge Center, make an appointment. Otherwise, you can go to Carling. You'll get that return time ticket. If you are asymptomatic, that's when you make use of the drugstores that are participating in We are going to talk more about data right now and we've been dealing with a few things so that we understand things a little bit better when someone is trying to collect our data usually by way of an app seems to be a very easy method these days and we rely on dr thomas cook privacy ethics and internal threat assessment manager at the center for advanced computing he's also a social sciences and humanities research council of canada postdoctoral fellow at the surveillance studies center both at queen's university and he joins us on the phone dr Cook, how's Monday going? It's Monday, but I'm I'm safe and I'm I'm healthy, so that's a better start than some south of the border. Good stuff. Okay, maybe we can dig into something here that might make Monday sound better because we're going to talk about cookies, and that always makes everything sound better when they're actually I don't know chocolate chip or <laughs> some of those mallow ones. I've always been a fan of the ones with the the mallow and the the marshmallow in the middle. I don't I don't know what it is with the chocolate around. We're not talking about those cookies though, but we get asked all the time by websites, hey. Uh, we use cookies. Uh, is that okay? And what they really mean is, if you want to see what's on this website, you better agree to with this right now, or we're not going to show you anything. And it involves cookies. What do we need to know about cookies? Cookies. There's a lot to to need to know about them, and I think they're a really great focus of you know what it means to look at data and continuation of some of the things we've discussed in the previous weeks, Mike. Um, the idea that you can look at the data inside of your phone and learn something about it is like a real problem for the 21st century. If you really want to understand what's at stake with your privacy, we should be able to open the black box up and see what's inside and see what it is that's being recorded and subsequently what it is that people are saying about who we are. Cookies are one of the very first examples of that problem. Cookies have existed okay. since 1994. And as you mentioned, there are things that come with our, our browsers. And you get browsers on your phone, so you're dealing with cookies on your device as well. And what they essentially do is they, they store session data. They store information about how you use the browser or how you're using the Internet itself overall. And then they, they upload that to a server, and the company can, you know, open the cookie up, take what's inside. It happens automatically, of course, not like opening up a book. There's an algorithm and a process to this. <laughs> But the stuff inside of the cookie is extremely valuable to them, and I, I think that's a pretty solid entry point for figuring out what exactly is at stake here in our collective inability to open these things up. Okay, well then, what exactly are they able to get from these that they're essentially getting from us? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and, you know, the the range of things that can be taken from um, a cookie is, is expanded exponentially. So if we're thinking back to 1994, when these things were first created, they're developed by a programmer named Lou Montuli, who was working for Netscape. Do you remember Netscape browser? 
Yeah, that's a blast in the past for all of us, that's for sure. Yeah, very interesting little logo, very slow, I'm sure people can remember. Well, (laughs) Netscape had a real problem, and and slowness was actually a part of it. People were always anticipating that slowness was going to be a massive issue. So one of the, the first big customers of Netscape back in the day was MCI, big telecommunication firm, and they wanted to build something like eBay, one of the very first e-commerce platforms. But what they said to Netscape was, um, we need a way to interact with our customers, but we don't want to store any of their data on our servers because it's, it's going to be really expensive for us to store all of that. So what Netscape and Lou Montulli had come up with was, is what we call a cookie, right? So when you visit the website back in 1994, and it's very much still the same case today, how you configure the website. So the font size that you have on your web browser, the resolution of your computer, all of that kind of data was initially what was stored inside of this cookie. And what's at stake here is that the cookie was stored on your computer and not the e-commerce website. So they're offloading server processing power and electricity requirements by forcing all of this data to stay on your computer. And the benefit for them is not only that they can access that data next time you come back to the website, it makes the communication and data transformation or, or data transfer process between the computer and the server a lot faster. So back in 1994, it was storing things like resolution and font size, but today it's, it's a lot crazier. It's, it's more about like where your cursor is moving on the screen. If you download any pictures, what links that you visit by clicking on things on the page or tapping with your finger, uh, any time that you uh, might be submitting information, credit card numbers, uh, your your name, your address, all of that data can be stored as well. So really what's happening in 2020 is that the, the range of possibilities for what could be recorded is almost endless. I frankly, Mike, for the last five years that I've been looking at these things, I've been, you know, shocked and surprised that this new thing is happening. But then again, at the end of the day, you say, yeah, that was coming. <laughs> Dr. Thomas Cook with us. Dr. Cook, maybe before we close out, what should we be doing? Because I know that we're told if you talk to anybody, if you work for a company, you'll have your very intelligent IT person coming over and saying, hey, make sure you're cleaning out your computer, clean out the cache, do all of that deleting of your history, those sorts of things. How do we ensure that we're protecting our stuff, even if we have to navigate a world that seems to be filled with endless cookies that we can't do much about. The primary problem that we've been dealing with in this series that we've been doing, Mike, week to week, is this question of what what happens when we get access to something. Cookies, unfortunately, even after 26 years of existing, remain things that we cannot open up. Um, They say for our security, they are designed to be encrypted. So if you were to download your cookies from your device, even though they're on there, if you could centralize them into a folder, and you wanted to open them up and read them to see what it is that third parties and different corporations are recording and saying about you, it's impossible. It's kind of colonial. This is a way of corporations moving in on your device, using your device to store information about you that they want, but you'll never be able to see it. It's impossible to read what's inside. These are cookies you can't open up. You don't want to eat these things. You want to get rid of them. So, unfortunately, in 2020, the best thing you can do is exactly what you prescribed. Delete them delete them every day. A lot of them are persistent or what some people call zombie cookies, which means they will recreate themselves after you delete them. And this happens all the time. 
If you have never cleared your cookies on your device, you could potentially have tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of cookies on your device. And that's, I think, frankly, dangerous for your privacy. So every time you browse the Internet, as much as a burden as it may seem to be, delete your session cookies. Go into your browser settings or in the settings on your phone, look up cookies and delete whatever it is that you can find. And that's the very best thing that you could do for yourself. And you know what? As I'm listening to you say that, I'm starting to do this on my own machine that I have in front of me, the laptop that I have uh, happen to be using, and I do it on a regular basis, but it says it signs you out of most sites. So it has, do you want to erase all cookies and other site data? And you would say yes, but then you think, but then I've got to sign in to absolutely everything, and there's probably 20 sites that I'll have to sign into. Oh, forget it. I'll just uncheck that box. Uh, probably not the best way to do it, but wow, you continue to help us realize our challenging world is challenging for the ways that it's challenging, but it's not going to make it any less challenging. So, uh, thank you for providing the insight into all of that. I am happy to be the guy who comes along every once in a while and says the convenience that you have on your tech is also a convenience for the people who put it there. If it's hard for you, it's hard for them too. And that's the thing I think we have to get used to moving into this next decade. That is a brilliant way to end this conversation. Dr. Cook, thanks so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Mike. If it's hard for you, it's hard for them too. And that's what you want. Can we get a bumper sticker made for that? That is Dr. Thomas Cook. Dr. Cook is a privacy ethics and internal threat assessment manager at the Center for Advanced Computing, as well as the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council of Canada postdoctoral fellow at the Surveillance Studies Center, both at Queen's University. You've been listening to the London Live podcast. Catch the show live on weekdays from 1 to 3. 